Hello, I'm Francis Seeley from Global Net 21, and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast today. And today, Hannah Dyson will be interviewing Candace MacDonald. Now, Candace has lived in Edmonton, North London, for most of her life, and has seen the impact of poverty there. She decided to use her allotment to do something about it, and so she set up a community kitchen to help feed her neighbours with the produce she has grown. Now, that's quite a remarkable story. So let's listen to the podcast and begin with Hannah Dyson. Hello, and welcome to the webinar. My name is Hannah Dyson from Enfor Voices and Global Net 21. And this is one of the regular webinars that we do exploring national and and, uh, national and local issues. Um, and today we are chatting to uh, Candice McDonald, who has lived in Edmonton, London for most of her life um, and has seen the impact poverty has had. And she's decided to use her allotment to do something about it setting up a community, community kitchen to help feed her neighbours uh, with the produce she has grown. Um, so welcome Candice uh, to the webinar and thank you very much for agreeing to tell your story with us. Um, oh, thank today. you for having me. Uh, firstly, can you just briefly tell us about yourself, please? I am a mother of three medically challenged children and I was a foster mum as well. And I've been at Emerson since the age of 10. Um, I've got a variety of background behind me from child protection right through to working with school special needs and other stuff. And at the moment, I'm a community worker. Um, I've got siblings and stepkids, and it's it's mainly just seeing the impact that poverty's had on the neighbourhood has actually pushed me forward to doing something about it. Okay, so it's a community kitchen, something you thought about for a long time, having seen uh, um, sort of poverty in, in the community? Um, the community kitchen was an idea that came up with, um, it started off with five of us, to be honest. And as time's gone on, they've pulled out, they left it with just me. But I'm the kind of person, like, I've taken it to other people, and where they said no, I don't accept no. So um, <laughs> I'm very stubborn in that way. So I actually did take it. To the Lord Mayor who declined us and then I took it to a local group called Tech Meeting, um, Parent Engagement Panel and they weren't able to do it at the time and I felt the need for it had to be now because of what I'm seeing which is getting worse. Yeah. So I decided well in that in that case I'm going to do it so that's exactly what I did. Okay. I put all my, it started with the five of us and then as I said, we've got parents together helping each other out and sorting things out that way. And it was just a case of, um, like, what, whoever didn't have food that day, we, it was once we all shared the food between us, the three households, it was fine. And then we added more people to it, spoke to parents that were so desperate that was actually co- contemplating actually leaving their children at the school and letting social services step in. Mm. And I felt, no, we can't be doing that. So encouraging them to come and join us so that's how we all started out um yeah it's quite astonishing it's quite astonishing really when parents feel like they have to maybe leave their children in the school because they can't afford food that's how bad it's got especially with the universal credit so it was a, a it is a tough time for most parents but as i said if you pull together as if there's like five of you one person cooking a week that's only one day's money you've got to come up with 
and then the rest of you towards something else, you and your kids, or what have you. So it's all about pulling together and trying to help each other out. I was fortunate enough because I had my allotment. So from my allotment, I was growing things like pumpkins, um, sweet, and all these kind of stuff, and corn. And but I had grown so many that I couldn't eat it all. So I just ended up coming out and it's like as soon as I came home, it's like I took what I needed, put that in the freezer, and then the rest I was handing out to the community for free anyway. So yeah. it made sense to me. Like when I was talking to one lady, she said she doesn't have a cooker, and her kitchen's not working. And I thought. I never yeah. thought about it that way. And then suddenly when my kids just got working, I was like, I understand her her plight now. Yeah, so I, yeah. I had to find somewhere to cook it. And I thought it's better we cook the food and share it that way rather than just share it as food that they've got to cook themselves. So, so yeah. It's interesting what you say about the kitchen because I know the Felix Project sometimes drop off uh, food supplies to various schools, including your your nephews. Yeah, they do. Pick him up. But yeah. as you say, if they don't have the kitchen facilities, then there's not much you can do. To make not, no, because <laughs> they're just going home with all this stuff that they can't actually cook with. So yeah, no. it is a bit of a, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And I understand you have now got funding for the community kitchen to go ahead um, again, because you had to actually stop briefly due to lack of funding. Yes. yes. Oh, a, a lovely gentleman had found me. He had, donated money towards us he didn't want to be mentioned so i won't say his name or anything like that but i am thankful for what he's done because that's allowed us to um, start back up and get get the ball rolling while other funding has been seeked um the council has given us an allotment now and that's their, their contribution to helping us and they're also trying to find us a building that we can be based at so that the public can find us easily and they're helping us trying to find a kitchen so they're they're hands on and they're trying to help us find funding as well so it's been perfect because as I said yeah. this is something that's def- desperately needed in the community um, and you say you're going to try and find somewhere is it uh, Latimer All Saints in Edmonton that you're going to be cooking from or that and another Latimer All Saints has, um, has agreed that we can um, do it from the uh, during the summer time two to three days a week but we're still trying to sort of like agree on if we can have it for more time. I have got my own one building, which is not really being used that much, um, which would be perfect for us. But I, ha- I do understand that there is other activities in the community using different yeah. halls. So even if it was for us to be moving around from hall to hall that's not being used at the time, we don't mind that. But it's all down to the funding because we were yeah. funding it from our own pockets. We weren't getting no help. And that's where the problem occurred. So, yeah, so Latimer Saints has been um, a dream for us because on the, on the functions that we have done, they've actually given it to us for free. Yes. And we're really grateful for that. So, yeah, yeah that's, so. that's what you need, really. You need, because of the nature of your project, you need somewhere to give you a, ki- a lovely kitchen that's yeah. working with yeah. crockery or even without crockery um, to help you, really. That's what you, you will need. Um, will the community kitchen offer workshops events kind of um education yeah, we are actually aiming at parents as well and we're trying to do workshops that would help them get back into employment help them to support um housing benefit the whole lot we've even got a um, even i even spoke to approached um leo powell at county line see if he could do a workshop for us um there's another charity that's abc they do um child um child cpr for parents for free so I've asked, actually asked them, they'll do it for us for free, so we can get the parents in and we're in agreement with that 
one. So I'm trying to get a lot of professionals on board that can deliver this to the public and to the parents so that they know how to safeguard their children. They know what they're looking for. If if they're in a gang, if they're being exploited, it's about making them more aware and making them more active in securing their own children's future. Yeah, because if you're struggling, you don't necessarily have an idea of how to make your CV look good, maybe get part-time work or even a job, you know, Saturday or Sunday or... um, if, if you're struggling you can you don't really maybe see uh, something clearly so if you have yeah. guidance or whatever problem it is that you need help in I think that is invaluable yeah. a lot of parents don't admit that they're struggling so no they have some that I'm I'm really terrible reading but I don't mind admitting that because I had many titles so I had to reteach myself how to start from the basics again but with a lot of parents I come across because English is their second language yeah. they kind of struggle a bit so it's about getting to help, getting the help they need just to get a simple yeah. So, yeah. And the more people, the better, because the community is made up of lots of people from lots of different countries. And the parents, parents can help each other. I think you've done really well at getting people together and hopefully this will be a great success. Um, well, it was that pets yeah. that actually helped me with that because they'd actually oh. sent me the first set of courses that allowed me yeah. to be more aware of what's happening because some of the stuff I was like, Ah, oh, I never thought about it that way. But then mm. it's like you you become aware of it and then you're out there helping other people, trying to teach them to be aware. So yeah, yeah. if I didn't go on that course, I probably would be still at the stages where I'm just thinking about it and not actually doing yeah. something about it. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you've got your, your own experiences, but then yeah, other people can help you help other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. Um and yeah, have you? We have a lot of volunteers because you t- you said to me when we met up at the library cafe that yeah. you've got this lovely Romanian lady who's wonderful at cooking and she's oh, going to yeah. help you cook. Yeah, she used to have a restaurant and she loves cooking. Oh my god! So goodness. I have a, I have a few people, a variety of people that want to go in the kitchen. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so yeah, not everyone wants yeah. to go down the allotment, but I don't mind no. going down the allotment. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think <laughs> I'd be the same. I'd rather cook. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm happy it's a lot of such because it gives them a variety of different foods to try out. Yes. Just stuck with the one set of foods like that at school there versus set meals. At least yeah. like this way they'll probably have a Romanian dish or a Somali yeah. dish or there's there's experience with different cultures and different dishes. So yeah, yeah and it's all healthy. So yeah. It will it will start a conversation because if your friend from Romania who had a restaurant cooks, then you can she can talk about her restaurant, she can talk about her ingredients. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, and that's the good thing about it and it's and it's bringing all the different cultures together so yeah, yeah. as i said they're all healthy foods because it's food that we've grown ourselves and nothing goes to waste because it's like as i said i'm very um environmental conscious so even the containers that if they want to take a takeaway is compost friendly so i i go that far i do stretch it that far to doing compost friendly materials and stuff like that and at the allotments when we're reaping up the the veg the leftovers is actually re re put back into the compost bin so we're regenerating and we're not wasting anything so yeah it's amazing that's really amazing that even thinking about the green credentials as well and <laughs> you can uh, Candice, can you tell me about um is, is your partner michael going to get involved i understand you have a partner of five years and he's yes. surprised you quite a bit hasn't he Yes, um, he was the one that got me into the allotment. Um, what it is, um, I used to sort of like, 
I was at home and then it's like, he goes to me, oh, we're going to go get an allotment. And you know when you get that stigma where allotments for the elderly people and things, <laughs> and so like for me, it was like allotments for people that want to retire and don't want people bothering them. And, <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 we're going to get the allotment. And I went and I was like, well, I'm not digging it up. <laughs> so he ends up digging it up because he has his own allotment in South London. And he, he ends up digging it up and he was teaching about the different things to grow and stuff like that. And so it got to the stage where it's like, he doesn't even have to attend no more. All he does is attend to fill up the jars of water for me because I have a shoulder problem. So I can't carry the heavy stuff. But he'll put them on the land for me. So all I have to do is go and water them and pick them when I'm ready. Mm. But because of how he plants things, I'm always questioning, saying, well, what was that planting over there? What was this? Whereas where I plant something, I know where exactly everything is. <laughs> so that's the only difference between me and him. But I am grateful for him to show me because I go down there and hide from my kids. I, I've turned into one of those people that want to be alone time and don't want to be around yeah. my kids all day. So when, when they can't find me, I'm down at the allotment. I make sure they don't know where that allotment is. So I can go there and just have some people try and get back to myself. And, and I find it so relaxing and so yeah. calming. And I, I didn't really think about it in the past. And it's like, it's actually therapy and you get to think about things and yes. new people. So yeah, it is. It is. Nice and I think he introduced it to you because he thought that you were a bit stressed and you could do with yeah. something. <laughs> he thought I was highly stressed. <laughs> some fresh air and grow some vegetables at the Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did actually. Yeah. <laughs> he thought I was kind of highly stressed. But I wasn't highly nice. stressed. I was just, I, I have, I know my stress levels and I don't really yeah. get stressed. I usually just sort of like blank out anything that, that's negative. Yeah, and, um, a lot of people haven't got that ability to do mm. that. So yeah. yeah, so you cope very well with um, everything life throws at you. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, have you always been community minded? That's something I really like to know. I mean, um, could you tell people, if you don't mind, about your fostering experiences? Have you been a foster? Yeah, um, I have been very community minded. Um, from way back really it started off at a youth centre when I found a child that was crying I was about 16 and um, the little one was crying all the time and I couldn't work out why he was crying and I sat down with him and I just thought I kept talking to him and think, and it ended up that I ended up being his like a babysitter for him oh. <laughs> each time he comes to the youth club because he was scared of the youth club because they were older kids than he was and it was it's sort of like that's where the awareness came about. Yeah. Um, according to my dad, I've always wanted to work with children. Yes. And as I said, I've always wanted to work with children, always wanted to drive an ambulance, always wanted to drive a fire truck. And I've done it. So yeah. it's, it's like I've worked with children up until 2016 where I resigned as a childminder. And then I went to do the ambulances. And yeah. then my dad pointed it out to me. I was like, yeah. Because yeah, you know, you most people are defiant when it comes to their dads. Oh, no, I'm not doing what my dad says. Well, he goes, well, you always said you went to drive an avatar. I, I always knew you were going to drive one. <laughs> and then, like, that's it, I quit. <laughs> you, were a, <laughs> you were an ambulance you an ambulance driver for six months or so, wasn't it? Yeah, it was but, um, the money wasn't that great. No. But then it's when my dad pointed out that that's what I always wanted to do. I was like, yeah, no, I didn't want to do that. And it just made me more determined that I wasn't going to do it no more. But I have yeah. to put fire engines. So any fireman out there, keep on your fire engines. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but 
yeah the, the, and also i guess we should point out the fact that one of the reasons why you had to or the big reason why you had to resign from that job is because the uh, income that it you would get yeah, wouldn't cover your bills my my rent or my bills mm. i was earning 700 a month and my bill was seven my rent was 750 mm. so i was actually walking to work not having lunch yeah. And it's like I still couldn't cover the bill yet, an uncancelled bill or any other bills. Yeah. So it didn't make no sense to me. So I was advised to come on to come out of the job and go on to Universal Credit, which was even worse. Really, and yeah. that's what made me throw myself into my allotment even yeah. more. And if it wasn't for the allotment, I wouldn't have had any food that week that year. So really? I'm thankful I did have it and kept it up. Because at mm. one stage I was they'd give it up thinking it was too much doing work and doing the allotment. But yeah, I'm glad I've kept that up because that yeah. actually brought us through the year. <laughs> I suppose it's the most, in a way, uh, old-fashioned traditional way of cultivating food. I mean, if you go to go back thousands of years, people have always grown food um, outside. But what, what I was going to ask you as well is, um, I mean, you, your experience of having to give you up your job because it wouldn't cover your bills. Do you yeah. think that's why so many people are, aren't able to give their children food and clothes and they're worried about how they're going to keep living? Right. For me, it's... Um, how can I put it? It's a, it's a catch-22 situation. Looking at the view as a childminder, the government gives you, what, around 75% of your childcare um, allowances. You're working the minimum wage. We work the minimum wage as a childminder. You're paying us what you're actually earning yeah. as the minimum wage. And then the government still taxes the childminder £22, mm. back, um, 22% back for what they've given you in the first place to pay us. So it's like, yeah. catch because unless you've got a well-paid job, yeah. you're always going to be in that circle. And yes. I had one lady that actually owed me quite a lot of money and I wrote that debt off because I felt so sorry for her. And yeah. it was hard because I watched her and she was in private accommodation. She was working the minimum um, pay, but she was working mm. long hours. I used to have her children from 6am till 10pm. Yeah. And I wasn't charging her anything after 6pm. And she still couldn't afford to pay for the childcare. Mm. And it, that's why I'm saying it's hard because mm. if you're in private accommodation, you don't stand a chance, I'm sorry. No. But um, what you call it? But if you're normal rent and everything like that, even then that's still a struggle. Yeah. So that's something that the government needs to address and look at, with especially for the private sector, because if their rent is like four hundred something pound a week, and they're not earning, or they're only earning two fifty a week, how do you expect them yeah. to subsidise that? Especially if they're working twenty five hours and the cut off point is twenty five hours. So yeah. I mean, the mad thing is, it's actually more expensive to rent. Uh, yeah. Than actually have a mortgage. It is. I, I've never been able to get my head around that. I just think it should really, it should be the other way around. Because uh, yeah. I've had a few issues with the housing. Because as I said, I do a lot of community work, and a few of the issues around the housing are like not suitable accommodations and things like that. Where I've even helped, I'm helping one lady at the present who's struggling because she's disabled, but she's on a on a block where there's no lift but she's on the top floor so that doesn't make no sense to me. so that's things that need to be addressed with the council and yeah and, and housing and rent and all that kind of stuff because how do you expect people to help themselves if you're not giving no. them the helping hand 
you could put on the bottom floor, you could put her in a building that has a lift, no. you can move from there. It just it's just hard and that's so she's like in catch twenty two as well. So yeah. And it's also hard if you're disabled to actually if you've got a job in London, wherever it is, it's actually hard to get on the train to get to that job. That's what I can't understand. Yeah, that is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. You can't get anyone up there. No. Yeah, so that is hard. What they should be doing is make it easy for anybody in a wheelchair or anybody with mobility issues to get to work because people want to go to work. They don't want to be having to be yeah. on the top floor in a flat somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, gonna, the next question I was going to ask you, Candice, as well is um, how do you feel about having to take on this responsibility of feeding the community? Because you're obviously a very busy lady with um, three sons. You take your nephew to school every day. How do you fit it all in, and how do you feel about having to take on this responsibility? I'm very good with timekeeping. <laughs> I'm very good with timekeeping. I know a lot of my family say I'm not, but I am very good with timekeeping. I um I study at night time because I don't sleep, so I study at night time. Um, my daytime is devoted to doing a lot of community work and getting the kids back and forth to hospitals and sort of like helping my mum who's disabled and doing my nephew so I fit I I don't take on more than I can I'm vital for more than I can chew um okay. like with my nephew because I take him to school in the mornings I catch in the afternoons I've got the rest of the day to do the community work half term I devote that to him but we do community work together as a matter of fact today I had four things put in 40 plants to put on the allotment and he turned around and told his mum I did child labour <laughs> <laughs> So yes, yeah, but, uh, but he likes doing them things, and that's what I like yeah. about him. Is just he's so much hands on with everything yeah. I'm doing, and um, he even comes down the allotment with me. He likes watering the plants, and so yeah, and he likes yeah. to know the names of them. He's quite a smart cookie, but he likes to like know names. Of them. He knows names better than I do. So I said to him, like, saying you're playing um a game, and uh, I said to him, something you're gonna feed. I'm thinking about birds. And, and I was like, oh, no, it's a bird. And he turned around and goes, no, I see it's a pigeon. And I'm like, okay, I'm not playing this game no more. So, yeah, he's quite, he's quite smart tonight. <laughs> but, think, yeah. yeah. Children take in lots of information, like plant names. Um, yeah. And he always think, questions, like, the roots. And we've yeah. even done projects where um, I started growing some of the bags to see they work in the house in the, in the, in the winter time. And some of them actually work. And he was so fascinated just to see the roots because it's from seafood bags. It's, you see the roots. He goes, where are these going? And he was learning about everything. So he, he yeah. loved it. So it, it was more educational on his part. But as I said, <laughs> teach, you know, <laughs> that they're all mine and not his. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> it's like life, uh, life kind of education that you probably wouldn't get time to do at school. So yeah. he's learning with you. And, yeah, and they get to see it and they get to see yeah. that the growth and everything yeah, yeah it's good. and even things like um i don't know if you get lots of worms in the allotment because of the soil yeah even things seeing <laughs> things like that that they think oh what's that then they get used to it after a while yeah they do they do <laughs> he, he loves picking the corn and the apples and yeah yeah he, he just loves it he, he loves it down there he likes running to mm. the water tank and can we get the water that no we're not ready for the water yet and so yeah mm. <laughs> Yeah, tell me a bit more about the allotment actually. So is it quite it's quite big where you've got it at the moment? Right. I've got one down in Ponders End and uh, the council just give me one down on the A ten. Okay. And the A ten's a lot bigger, so it'll be a yeah. bigger project. 
and be a lot more flexible for us and it's easier to get back to um, Edmonton. Um, the positive one, it's not that big, but um, I've grown, I've been growing there for about four years, five years. Yeah. It's four years actually, because it took me a year to talk you into getting it. So, yeah, so about four years. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been a, it's been hard because we had a corner plot and it was never used and it's right by the brook. So it was really hard because we seemed to get the rats. We have these cheeky little rats up there that like to come up and eat all the corn. So, <laughs> so we've had to do a separate pile for the rats to take so we can catch some of the other corn. Oh. But uh, apart from that, hmm. it's been fine. It's been lovely up there. It's relaxing. Yeah. Uh, we sometimes sit up there to listen to the, the brook running and Oh. So it's kind of it's really nice up there. It's calm and peaceful. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a we're building a shed on the the one in Ponder's End, which is by us. We're building that, and there's one there's already a shed on the one in A10. Um, uh, we grow everything from callaloo, squash, um, apples, corn, pumpkin. Yeah. The pumpkin seems to run away with me. I don't like yeah. pumpkins, but every year he plants pumpkins for me, so I don't know why he does that. Um, but I still yeah. find a way of using it. So, a camping, yeah. okay, if you reserve some um, pumpkins for me for October, instead of going I will definitely pumpkins. reserve it for you. Thank <laughs> you. You're welcome. That is no problem at all. Because I've run that yeah. quite a lot. We, I think this year we had 12 or 15. Was it 15? 15 pumpkins that I had to try and get rid of and started doing out left, right and centre. People asked me, like, where did I get these big pumpkins from? One lady I actually spoke to the other day, she said she still got some left over. Yeah. And, and I felt so sorry for her. I'm thinking, you're going to be pumpkin eating pumpkin all year round for the time I gave you. Pumpkin <laughs> <Yeah>. farm. <laughs> Maybe future pumpkin farmer. <laughs> yeah, I've been, yeah. Trying, I've been growing sweet corn and mm. onions and... Um, what is it? Spring onions and yeah. all different stuff. I, I try my hands at everything. Yeah. Uh, kidney beans, we've done. That was the hardest one for me, the kidney beans. <laughs> um, because yeah. I used to sit there and pick each one out individually. It's only when one heart there's got that goes to me, no can, you grab the bush, you put it in a bag, you shake it out. <laughs> so I was like, and you could have told me that about a year ago. But yeah. And did it like growing up? What were your who who were your influences? Was it your grandmother? Was it your mother? Because I understand you've got Aruba and you've got. Go on, talk, talk, say that again, Teddy. So we say. I understand you've got Aruba and you've got Granada. Granada, well. yeah. Granada. <laughs> uh, so were they your influences or your family members? My grand was my main influence. She yeah. was very so much hands-on family member. Um, I, remember, I remember sitting there, there with a little pipe. <laughs> she had this little pipe. It was so <laughs> funny. I figured everywhere she goes, you know the Popeye pipes? Yeah. She had one of those. And I used to think, oh, next she's going to be having spinach and all these muscles. And <laughs> so, yeah, she always used to make me laugh. Um, she used to speak uh, broken French, but I never okay. learned language. Yeah. Uh, but I. I wish I had learned the language, but yeah. Um, yeah, she, so sometimes she'll look at me and she'll say something and she'll remember I can't speak it and then she'll like, 
oh, English. And it's just like to me. <laughs> so, yeah, she, she was my, she was my yeah. role. She's, she's always been there. And she's like a heart of gold. I couldn't fault my yeah. grandma anything. She's never, I've never seen her be horrible to anyone. I've never no. always just been there. Everyone seems to turn to her, which was really nice. Yeah, just kind um, and thoughtful and yeah. community and orientated. <laughs> it was. And then it's like, I had a few people that I call my angels. <laughs> I call my angels that have died and got ahead. Um, my mm. uncle was another one. He was very much about family, family yeah. first. And he taught me that family comes first for everything. So it's like any troubles I had when my grand died and I said to my uncle, oh, I'm struggling or, or like I could say to you, oh, can you come and paint my walls for me? And he goes, all right, then, give me a tin of tenants. And I'm thinking, what, to paint my walls? I can't give you four. So, because <laughs> <laughs> they look at all But it's all about family. It's like, yeah. you don't fault him for anything. It's like, everyone knew him. Him mm. and his friends, so everyone knew him. Yeah. And I understand the whole thing. And they'll turn around and phone him. Your daughter, your, 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 they used to call him daughter sometimes. Your daughter is walking down on top of the high road. And then one of the twins will find me, why are you walking down the high road? I go, how do you know? Where are you? <laughs> he goes, someone called me. I'm thinking, can I not go anywhere without you not knowing? But, yeah, anyway, it's like they always have an eye on us. Mm. So I am so thankful that I've had a few instances in my life. So, yeah. yeah. Because I think that's sometimes uh, something that's lacking in the UK. Uh, people live in their houses, can live like in silos. Everybody lives in one house and nobody yeah. knows what's happening to their neighbour, depending on what road you live on. Or yeah, their family, yeah. their family might live on another like, 100 miles away. So I think yeah, that's you're... hard because yeah. where I was before here, um, it's like we were the coldest act, but it was on an estate. But yeah. we all looked out for one another. So like I knew that a few of them were at night shifts. So I used to collect in all the parcels. And so like if we're going, one of us was going to the shops, the other one would keep an eye on the kids in the street while the other one collect everyone shopping and things like that. Mm. And then when I moved here, it was like I got thrown in the deep end because you're saying hello <laughs> to the neighbours, and for the first two years, no one asks you back, no one yeah. speaks to you, know. And I was thinking to myself, wow. Yeah. So you're change you're changing all that with your with your community kitchen projects and. Um, if people want to get in touch with you uh, in the future, if they want to come and help out at the kitchen or if they want to give you some ideas or help you with funding, how is the best way for them to contact you? Right, that was my mistake right there. <laughs> I, because I, on the TV it says Candy Factor, which is my married name. On my Facebook, it's yeah. Candy's Charles. So if uh-huh. anyone wants to get hold of me, they could just DM me on Candy's Charles. And I will answer them. I promise, hand on heart, I always get every single question that's up there. Um, oh. They can also. We're also doing a page called for base, so I'm having that um, designed at the moment. Um, I have another page which is Charlie's Play Factory, so they can get me on that one. Yeah. Um, and there is also my email, which is candy.mcdonald, uh-huh. the number three, at gmail.com. And okay. I would always answer. I have no problems with that. I am trying to get a telephone number dedicated just to base. <laughs> wow, so once yeah. I've done that, I will ask anyone yeah. who's spoken to me to just put it up there and I'll put it on my screen as well, just for base. Because at the moment, because I'm doing so many different varieties of things, my personal number has become my business number and every else number. <laughs> so I want one okay. that's just for base that I know that that's someone that's a 
need help or need guidance or well, need yeah Candice, yeah. thank you so much for talking to us about this really exciting project and wish you all the best oh, um, going you. forward. And I do hope you get lots, lots more people coming to help you because I think yes. more hands make light lots work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots yeah. Of food, 50p, we don't care what it is. No. With the help, we will be yeah. loving it. So, yeah. And people can help at weekends as well, can't they? If they yes, want to. They can. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much and okay. wish you luck. And it's been really, really interesting talking to you. And I could right. talk to you another, for another hour, but we won't. We'll end this webinar now. Mm -hmm.